0: This podcast is brought to you by the Reformed Witness Committee of Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Walker, Michigan. It is our goal to spread our distinct Protestant Reformed views based on the Word of God and the Reformed Confessions. We hope that this message is edifying to you. Welcome. We shall begin by reading one verse, John 15, verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. The topic of tonight's lecture is, Who is the Holy Spirit? We've mentioned the Holy Spirit before in our Back to Basics series. But this evening, we want to look more closely at who he is and what he does. By way of introduction, we can say two things about the Holy Spirit. First of all, he is the third person of the Trinity. And therefore, the Holy Spirit, like the Father and the Son, is God. The Holy Spirit is not a creature, therefore, He is fully divine, as divine as the Father and the Son. And therefore, the Holy Spirit is eternal, almighty, everywhere present, and unchangeable, and He has all of the other attributes as well. And second, He is a person. So he's God and he's a person. The Holy Spirit is not a force or a power emanating forth from God. He is personal. And therefore, when we speak about the Holy Spirit, we refer to him as he, not it. And as a person, he is therefore intelligent, conscious, and he performs all the activities of a person. He speaks, he teaches, he testifies, and so on. Also, by way of introduction, we can describe something about the relationship of the Holy Spirit to the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is not the same person as the Son or as the Father. He is distinct from both the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is equal to the Father and the Son. We call him the third person not because he comes after the Father and the Son not because he is lower than or below the Father and the Son. He's equal in power and glory to the Father and the Son. And within the being of God, within the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is the bond of love, uniting the Father and the Son and the Son and the Father. The Holy Spirit is the breath of love proceeding from the Father to the Son and from the Son to the Father within the very being of God. And also by way of introduction we can say something about the name of the Holy Spirit. He is Spirit. And that word Spirit or sometimes ghost, although properly we say the Holy Spirit. That word spirit means breath or wind. And so the Holy Spirit is not the Son. He is not begotten. The Son is begotten of the Father. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. He does not beget but rather, the Holy Spirit proceeds. He proceeds as the breath of God within the being of God. And his procession, his coming forth from the Father to the Son, and from the Son to the Father, is eternal. It's an eternal procession of the Spirit. we want to look at some works of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, what does the Holy Spirit do and what has the Holy Spirit done, will begin in the New Testament with the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus Christ is the second person of the Trinity. He is the Son of God. He came in our flesh in the incarnation What role did the Holy Spirit have in the life of the man, Jesus? Well, the Son of God in our human flesh and the Holy Spirit are inseparable. You see this throughout the ministry of Jesus Christ. The first great work that the Holy Spirit has performed with respect to Jesus Christ is in his conception. The Holy Spirit is the one who formed the human nature of Jesus in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Here's Gabriel's explanation to Mary. Luke 1.35 And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit, shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee, Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And as Jesus grows up into manhood, and as he enters into his public ministry, the Holy Spirit is there every step of the way to equip him, beginning with his baptism. And Jesus when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Matthew 3, verse 16. And after his baptism, we read in Luke 4, verse 1, that he, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and then the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness where he is tempted by the devil Matthew 4 verse 1 then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil after the temptations we read Jesus returned in the power of the spirit into Galilee Luke 4 verse 14. Jesus preached by the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. Jesus performed his miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit. In short, declares John, God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. No one, therefore, was so spirit-filled, so spirit-led, and so spiritual as Jesus Christ, who, according to his human nature, received the Holy Spirit without measure. We receive the Holy Spirit, we who belong to him, we receive him in measure. Each person receives a different measure. According to the will of God. But Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, receives him without measure. Then the Holy Spirit, having guided and led him throughout his public ministry of some three and a half years, then the Holy Spirit is with him as he dies upon the cross. Hebrews 10 verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And then the Holy Spirit is active also in Christ's resurrection. Romans 1 verse 4. And he was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection. Of the dead. And having risen from the dead and ascended into heaven, Jesus then pours out the Holy Spirit upon his church on the day of Pentecost. And so we see that the Holy Spirit therefore is active throughout the entire earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, is active even on the cross, is active in the resurrection, and is then poured out by the risen and exalted Jesus Christ from heaven on the day of Pentecost. That's the great work of the Spirit, therefore, in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ, having died upon the cross and secured salvation for all of his people, does not leave the application of that salvation up to the individual sinner. That's the view of many. Many believe that Jesus has procured salvation, He has made salvation possible for everyone, and now to have that salvation, it all depends on a person's free will. But that's not what the Bible says. That's not the gospel. The Bible says that God is the worker of salvation, that the Holy Spirit takes that salvation which Jesus Christ has accomplished by his lifelong obedience and death upon the cross, and he applies that salvation to the individual by working in that person saving faith. You can look at some of the great works that the Holy Spirit performs in order to give that salvation to his people. First of all, he is the author of regeneration. The Bible teaches that all men are by nature dead in trespasses and sins. There's nothing whatever that they can do to save themselves. They cannot even perform one good work. They cannot even desire to perform one good work. Jesus says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Paul explains this in Titus 3 verse 5, where he talks about salvation this way, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit spirit and so it's the Holy Spirit who works life in dead sinners he works the very life of Jesus Christ and so regeneration or the new birth is the first work of the Holy Spirit in God's people but that's only the beginning The Holy Spirit does not simply work life in someone and then leave that person to himself or herself. Rather, the Holy Spirit sanctifies God's people. And sanctification is simply a word that means to make holy. He's the Holy Spirit and he makes sinners holy. And so it's impossible, therefore, for a believer in Jesus Christ not to be holy because he makes all of God's people holy. He makes them holy by devoting them to God in love. He makes them holy by separating them more and more from sin. He makes them holy by cleansing their hearts. And so the Holy Spirit is in the believer, the source, Of true sorrow over sin. If you have a true sorrow over sin that's because the Holy Spirit has worked true sorrow in your heart. He's the one who gives the light of the knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's the one who kindles in us a true love for God. He's the one who makes us holy. And just as the sinner cannot redeem himself by washing away his own sins, so the sinner cannot make himself holy. And how does the Holy Spirit make God's people holy? What instrument does the Holy Spirit use to make God's people holy? The scriptures, and especially the preaching of the holy scriptures and if a believer desires to be holy a believer desires to become more and more holy he needs to be in the word he needs to be in the word of god he needs to be in prayer he needs to place himself under faithful biblical preaching christ said in his famous prayer In John 17, 17, sanctify them, make them holy. How? Through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And the believer who neglects the word, who does not study the word, who does not meditate upon the word, who does not hear the word preached, ought not to be surprised if he struggles to be holy. If he finds himself not becoming more holy, because by despising the word of God, he grieves the Holy Spirit. He takes himself away from that atmosphere where ordinarily the Holy Spirit works holiness. So the Holy Spirit works regeneration. He gives life. He works holiness in the believer, sanctification, and he gives and strengthens faith. Faith is not something that we can produce in our own hearts by the power of our will. Rather faith is something that the Holy Spirit works in his people and having worked faith in them he goes on to increase that faith and to strengthen that faith and to increase that assurance the holy spirit is the one who gives us assurance and assurance is the knowledge that we belong to god it's the knowledge that we possess salvation it's the confidence that we will be saved on the last day. Assurance is the fruit of justification. Romans 5 verse 1, therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5 of the same chapter says, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad or poured into our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. So the work of the Holy Spirit, therefore, is not only to work faith in us, but also to make sure that we know that faith has been worked in us, that we might know that we are the objects of the love of God. Romans 8 tells us, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Spirit assures us. Now Jesus, in the very last week of his life on earth, indeed the day before, he died, he taught extensively about the Holy Spirit. And if you have time or inclination and you have a Bible, go home and read John 14, 15 and 16. That's especially where Jesus taught his disciples about the Holy Spirit. And he teaches them about the Holy Spirit to prepare them for what was coming, namely his sufferings and death. He had been with them for some three and a half years. And now he was going to leave. And before he left, he wanted them to have the assurance that when he would leave them, he would not leave them without any comfort, but rather he would send to them the Holy Spirit. Here's John fourteen, sixteen, and 17. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another Comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth in you, and shall be. In you. The Holy Spirit, says Jesus, is another comforter. He is the comforter therefore. And the word comforter there means one who comes alongside to help another. The comforter brings help and support. He brings help and support by coming alongside of believers and even by dwelling within believers. Jesus says, He dwelleth in you and shall be in you. He comforts believers by reminding them of the truth of the gospel. He applies that truth of the gospel to their hearts and to their lives. He says, does Jesus in John 14, 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, Whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And then in chapter 15, verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And then John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I will tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. You see there that the Comforter does several things. First of all, he teaches the truth concerning Jesus. That's what a person is able to do, teach. And he reminds us of that truth. Second, he testifies concerning Jesus. That is to say, he bears witness to the person and work of Jesus. And third, he reproves or convinces the world of sin so that the unbelieving, ungodly world is left without excuse when it rejects Jesus. And he does all of this by means of the word of God. He teaches. He testifies, he comforts, he reproves by means of the word of God. The Holy Spirit does not whisper sweet nothings into our ears without the word of God. He does not give us fuzzy feelings or strange sensations in our hearts without the word of God. But he comforts us by assuring us of the love of God and the forgiveness of sins by means of the word of god and so the holy spirit according to christ is the comforter he's also the spirit of truth three times christ refers to him in those terms john fourteen seventeen, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. John 15, 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And John 16, verse 13. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. That means the Spirit speaks the truth, reveals the truth, teaches the truth, promotes the truth. That means that the Spirit opposes the lie. The Spirit opposes lies about God. The Spirit opposes false doctrine. False doctrine, especially false doctrine about God, offends and grieves the Holy Spirit. We ought to expect that because first of all he's called the Spirit of Truth, and second, he is the one who inspired the Holy Scriptures. This book that we have, the Holy Bible, is the product of the Holy Spirit. Here's what first or second Peter 1, verse 21 says about the scriptures. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so the Holy Ghost took men such as Moses and David and John and Peter and Paul, and he moved them in such a way that they spoke and then they wrote the word of God. And will that same Holy Spirit then abandon the scriptures which he has inspired? Of course he won't. That would be foolish. That would be absurd. No, he honors the scriptures which are the product of his speech. The scriptures, we are told elsewhere in 2 Timothy 3, are God-breathed. They're the breath of God. God has breathed out the scriptures. The Holy Spirit has breathed out the scriptures. And so the Spirit, therefore, works in the church among the disciples of Jesus in order to guide them into all truth, John 16 verse 13. It was the Holy Spirit who guided the writers of the New Testament into all truth so that they could write the New Testament Scriptures. It was the Holy Spirit who dwelt in the body of the church and led the church into all truth throughout all of her doctrinal controversies throughout the ages he has led the church gradually and progressively into the truth he did that for example at the jerusalem council in acts 15 where we read it seemed good it seemed good to the holy ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden acts 15 28 the same holy spirit enabled the church to define the doctrine of the Trinity in A.D. 325, and guided her through all of her doctrinal struggles, enabling her to preserve the truth and even to develop the truth of God's Word. And therefore, a Spirit-filled church, we want to be a, we want to be a Spirit-filled church, do we not? A spirit-filled church is not the church with the liveliest worship, but a church in which the truth is faithfully and purely preached. That's a spiritual church. A spiritual church is one where the truth rules. A spiritual Christian is one who believes the truth. Another important aspect of the work of the Holy Spirit as defined by Jesus is that he has come to glorify Jesus Christ. If you were to ask the question, what is the ministry of the Holy Spirit? You would have to answer, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus Christ. In fact, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He glorifies Jesus Christ in the scriptures. He glorifies Jesus Christ through the true preaching of the gospel. He leads people into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He gives God's people Jesus Christ. Without Christ, the Holy Spirit can give us no useful gift. And so John 14:18 says, "I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you." In other words, I, Jesus, will come to you in the person of the Holy Spirit. I will come to you and dwell in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. Peace I leave with you, he says. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus gives peace by giving us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives peace by applying to believers the truth that Jesus Christ has died on the cross for the sins of God's people to secure for them the forgiveness of all of their sins, without that knowledge we would have no peace for our sins. Our many terrible sins would plague us. And so Christ says about the Holy Spirit in John 16, 13 through 15, Howbeit, when he The Spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. The Spirit shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, says Jesus. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you." And so the ministry of the Holy Spirit is not to speak of himself. It's not to place himself on center stage. The Holy Spirit, if you put it this way, does not want to be in the limelight. The Holy Spirit wants to be, as it were, off stage and shining a light upon Jesus to make Jesus known to speak about Jesus to magnify Jesus to magnify the work of Jesus and in so doing the Holy Spirit brings glory unto the triune God Father Son and Holy Spirit and so any spirit who magnifies himself or calls attention to himself At the expense of Jesus, and while bypassing Jesus, is not the Holy Spirit of the Scriptures, but another strange spirit. So we've seen tonight that the Holy Spirit was active in the whole ministry of Jesus Christ. We've seen that the Holy Spirit was active on the cross and in the resurrection. We've seen that the Holy Spirit takes the work of Jesus Christ, which he has accomplished by his cross and resurrection, and he applies that to individual sinners in regeneration, in working faith, in working sanctification, in making God's people holy, in working and increasing faith and assurance in their lives. We've seen that Christ has given us a great deal of important instruction about the Holy Spirit. He is the comforter. He comes alongside of God's people to apply to them the comfort of the gospel. He is the spirit of truth. He promotes truth and leads the church into all truth and he magnifies and testifies concerning Jesus Christ and if you're an unbeliever tonight all of this talk about the holy spirit will not make any sense to you because the bible says that you are dead in your sins and the bible says in 1 corinthians 2:14 but the natural man that is to say the man who is not a believer the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. and therefore the call of the gospel to the unbeliever is not study all about the Holy Spirit but rather believe in Jesus Christ. Turn from your sins. Turn from believing in any other God and in any other Savior. And then, and only then, will you know the Comforter as a reality in your life. Thank you for your attention.